We are rocking here at Real Tales from the Bar Side. This is the podcast where we talk about the shit that goes on in the bar, in the restaurant, with people who own the bar, own the restaurant, run the bar, run the food, do everything and see everything. Don't ever do something or say something that you don't want seen, especially in New York at the bar, because we're watching and talking about it here on Real Tales from the Bar Side. All right, welcome to another episode of Real Tales from the Bar Side. This is the Easter Sunday edition. We are recording Easter Sunday. We won't release, by the way, we're releasing bi weekly now, if you haven't figured that out. Producers have lives. This is difficult, people. It's not all fun and games. Shit needs to get done. So, unfortunately, for the time being, we're doing bi weekly episodes. Weekly ones will be back. But for now, Easter. Today, let us remember the true spirit of Easter an anthropomorphic rabbit will bring Christian children painted chicken eggs to commemorate the time that an Arabic Jewish zombie convinced his friends to eat him the night before his father had him murdered. So, happy Easter, everyone. Um, I'm going to credit Eric Joyce. That's episode number five, if you're interested. We had him here as a guest for that little tidbit. It was beautiful. Thanks, Eric. And we're going to start the episode with a rant. We're going to do this now, because the producers have jacked me up with coffee. Dunkin' Donuts, shout out, DM us at Tales Barside if you have any interest in sponsorship. Um, and we're just going to jump right into some kind of rant. Ladies and gentlemen, own your shit. Two years ago, I banned some fucking idiot from the bar who lives upstairs because he had the balls after coming in for months and months in gym shorts and sandals and complaining about why women wouldn't talk to him. To come in with a friend... <clears throat> from college, a high school of uh, college football buddy of his, and all of a sudden have this weird homoerotic kind of machismo that was newfound for him because he'd just been a fucking pile of pus prior to that with women and just completely annoying and like, oh, why don't I get girls? And I, I'd tell him, listen, if you had any fucking dignity and you'd go upstairs and put some jeans on and maybe a pair of sneakers and not pretend this was your living room, you might have a better chance. But on this particular occasion, he had the whole locker room fantasy thing going with his college football pal and they came in on a busy night and I saw them talking to this doctor who's in her late 20s and to be honest usually crying because she deals with a lot of fucked up shit in her profession she's a lot of death and she's really cool love her to pieces talk to her about what's going on try and hold some space for her and just let her chill and have a drink or two and this particular night, I noticed she was crying harder right after they'd left. And I was too busy to notice anything had gone on. And I asked her if she was okay. And she said, those guys just called me fat. He said, they fucking, what? She said, yeah, they came up to me and they asked me what I was doing later. And if, if I'd want to call them and hang out. And then they said, what's it like to be fat? You know, do you like that? You like that? Because we like that. And I was like, those motherfuckers. I was furious. Just completely, ah. I can't wait to see them again. Next night, lo and behold, weird homoerotic locker room energy comes running through again. These two fucking nitwits are side by side. Yo, what's up, man? Let us get those shots. I go, yo, how about not and fucking come outside right now and talk to me. Drag them outside, busy, almost trampled some goofy-ass, well-dressed. I don't know why well-dressed people were coming into our bar that particular night. No one well-dressed should ever be in our bar. I dragged them outside. And I go, look, I don't want to fucking hear anything. Don't defend it. Don't say shit. Listen to me talk and then get the fuck out of here permanently. I said, last night you made one of my favorite customers cry. You called her fat. You're a piece of shit. 
you're not fucking welcome here. Get the fuck out of my face. And I turned around and I walked back to the bar. That was it. Two years ago. Two years, people. I see this fool in the neighborhood and he kind of looks down and looks all around during the day. Acts like he doesn't know me. And I'm fine with it. But he came back into the bar the other night. And all I ever wanted was an apology. Own your shit, people. We're fucking adults. Own your shit. We all do and say dumb shit. I apologize daily and I should probably apologize more. This fucking nitwit comes in and I go up to him and put my hand on his shoulder from behind him just to tell him, hey man, I don't know what the fuck you think you're doing here without apologizing first, but all you had to do was apologize and this would be done. And he turned around like he was anticipating me and he says, I'm just here to talk to Joe. And I said, look, you piece of shit. I was going to give you the benefit of the doubt. But right now, and we get a full fucking bar. It's late, but we get a full bar. I just said, now I'm just going to call your manhood into question. Because you don't even have the fucking human courtesy and dignity to just apologize for the shit that you caused and squash this. He said, what would I apologize for? I don't even understand. What did I? I said, you know what? Fuck you. Get the fuck out. And I put my finger in his face. He said, get your finger out of my face. And I said, a hell of a lot more than my finger is going to be in your face if you don't get the fuck out of this bar right now. I swear to God. And I hear Joe snort and kind of laugh. Joe from Meet Joe Black. My man Joe. Mwah. Tons of love. <sighs> I said, Joe, you got anything to say to this fucking idiot? He goes, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, man. If uh, Matt says you got to go, then you probably got to go. So I just looked at him. He looked around at everybody who was also looking at him. And he just walked out. Own your shit, people. Apologize. We're fucking human beings on a planet bumping into each other randomly. Stuff's going to happen. Just fucking own it. Apologize. Be people. Be good people. That's it. All I got. And now I got a guest. Get into this shit, dude, because things are about to get l- Tim Dunn, comedian in New York City, bar stories out the ass, and just a generally fucking hilarious guy. Give it up. Tim Dunn, welcome. Hi, Mefflin. How the How hell? exciting. Yeah, fucking A, man. People are assholes. Come on. They're, they're dicks. Why can't people act just like normally? What, what, that's the main problem with bar life is that people just don't know how to act like normal human beings. Hey, let's get the fuck out of the New York cynicism, out of the gate. Give me a good story. Give me a good bar story. Somebody fucking awesome. An awesome story? Yeah, somebody did something <clears throat> nice. Courteous. Uh, cool. So maybe uh, about a year ago, uh, I bartended in the West Village across from the Blue Note Jazz Club, uh, a famous jazz club. And we, also get, we often get tourists and people who just haven't been in the city in years. So uh, this older couple came in, probably in their 80s, uh, with their kids who were in their 50s. And they had a drink. They said they were seeing a jazz show. And the older, it was the older lady's birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, very sweet uh, drink. I, she was drinking uh, Bailey's out of a champagne glass. No problem. Do whatever you want. It's your life. And she said they lived in New York for her whole life, for 80 years. But she hadn't been in Manhattan for like 30 plus years. So as we're chatting, we keep going back and forth. Like, oh, where'd you grow up? So I grew up in Queens. I, said, I live in Queens. I, maybe 10 minutes, 20 minutes later, I passed by again. We're talking. I said, where? So I was story. I'm like, oh, my God. That's, I, I used to live right in a story right there. We talk about an intersection. Uh, over the course of the conversation, we come to realize this lady grew up in the building that I currently live in, in the apartment right next door to my apartment, on the same floor. Uh, and we, like, were screaming laughing about this. And she's like, which one is yours? I'm like, oh, the one right there. We had a good laugh. And the woman's face went completely white. And she looked at me and said, a guy died in there. I said, what? He said, in your apartment where you live, a guy died in there. When I was a little kid, there was this big, huge, fat guy, and he died. And it was summertime, and his body was rotten, and we oh couldn't, they couldn't get the door open. And they said, she, the woman was, like, freaking out. I was dying laughing. She's telling me this. Uh, 
that the paramedics got there and the guy was laying on the floor and he was this big fat guy and they tried to pick him up and put him on the stretcher and I, she said this, uh, she said she's a little kid peeping in the door and this was happening. They had to lift him up and the guy's arms came off. <laughs> so the apartment I currently live in, there's a fat, like a morbidly obese armless ghost that haunts my apartment that this lady, who's a bar customer, told me that. I thought that was so random and the most, you know, serendipitous that she hasn't been in the city for 30 years. They picked my bar on the day that I was working and... She had to tell me that I had a ghost. It was crazy. That's fucking amazing. I thought it was amazing. How long have you been in New York? 14 years. Okay, so just so everyone out there knows, this is what happens when you've lived in New York for over 10 years and two people get in a room with microphones and you start to try and get good stories out of each other. It ends with an <laughs> armless fucking corpse. Like, that's hilarious. I gave her my business card and she emailed me like a week later and was like, I'm so embarrassed that I said this to you. Oh, I do, that's don't awesome. want to ruin your apartment. I'm like, no, I fucking love it. I thought it was I thought it was haunted for years since I moved in. So I love the confirmation that it's a morbidly obese armless ghost, though. I mean, at least it's not like something creepy and scary. It's an armless man. <laughs> There's nothing he can What's do. What's he going to like, poke me with his feet? <laughs> with his ghost feet? <laughs> Oh, man, but that's kind of cool. Yeah. I love serendipity in New York because everybody has this idea, and it's not incorrect, that it's just this huge city and there is no intersection. But it's as big as it is, there's just so on top of each other I mean, in the, a way the, 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 the chances that that woman would walk in and we would have that conversation are so minuscule. Like, she literally grew up, she said, uh, 70 years ago, 70 years ago, in the apartment, in the building, right next to mine. That's insane. We meet... In the West Village, a whole different neighbor, a whole different borough away. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that is kind of wild. I love that shit. Though. I do too. It's great. So the uh, name of your where, where? I bartend at the Fat Black Pussycat right now. Okay, uh, cool. I've been there about six years, but I've I've been bartending in the city for ten or twelve years. So that's what's been. It's always been my side hustle. Where were you before that? Oh God, before um, before the Fat Black. Uh, the Fat Black Pussycat in the Village Underground. Um, I was at those places. I've been there for about six years. Before that. I sort of bounced around. Um, I bartended. My friend owns a restaurant in Chelsea called Lasagna that I would bartend at every now and then. I bartended at gay bars in Hell's Kitchen for years. Oh, cool. Uh, I bartended uh, nightclubs, reggaeton and hip-hop n- uh, nightclubs for years, which is a nightmare. Yeah, that's a shit show, <laughs> man. That's wild. I, I legit was their token white bartender, though. I had a couple guys come in on Friday, and they were all from everywhere in the U.K. and the U.S. meeting up. There were four of them just kind of we haven't seen each other in ages kind of a scene and they came through they left and they came back the next day and i said i was the night man you guys were pretty rip roaring by the time you'd left two of them went downtown and it might have been to this place i'm not sure they're like we went downtown to uh bleaker street and we went to a hip-hop club and we were the only two white people there and the waitress told us we should probably go yeah like that's fucked up. Like that's really <laughs> yeah. fucked up. That's a little aggressive. They were like I mean, everybody that's, that's like was lawsuit eyeing us. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just kind of like and you know what it's interesting because for me and I'm not sure where this falls on the spectrum of whether it should be thought or not, but for me I'm kind of like if this shit happened in Harlem, okay. Like fine. That's just like it's not really a gentrified community. It's more gentrified than it was. Yeah. But it's still not cool, but I accept it in my head more. But the fact that that shit was happening downtown, it's mean, such a melting pot. Bars get shut pot. down for that shit. Bars get, bars like public, social media word spreads about bars uh, excluding certain races and stuff. I mean, it's typically a bar that is predominantly white that people yeah. get called out for. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that's a little suspect. If you have money to spend and you're not causing a stir. Right. Go nuts if you want to limit your customers. I guess it's your business. It's that's, that's sort of shady, though. That's wacky. <laughs> that's crazy. And what's going on in the gay bar scene? We just, in the neighborhood in the Upper East Side, we just opened a boxers up here. Yeah. 
and it's in a weird spot. I didn't really understand the location that they picked. I haven't yeah. been in there yet, but I know a bunch of people that have been in, and they're kind of like, yeah, it's okay. It's not quite as good as the ones downtown. Uh, it's funny because the gay bars in Hell's Kitchen, at least, they try for the most part to hire straight bartenders. Okay. Um, I think because so you're not uh, you don't have the pressure to buy drinks for people you find attractive or to like flirt with customers in that yeah. way. Uh, but I mean, it, it's a mess. The, the the owners of gay owners of bars in general tend to be messes. Owners of gay bars in particular are nightmare people. Yeah. Are truly sociopaths. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I worked at a gay bar in Hell's Kitchen, the owner thought that I was straight when he hired me, and then after like a couple months, I guess found out, and he was pissed. Which is hilarious. He never asked. I mean, I obviously did nothing to hide my shit. Uh, I got what I got. And he found out he was so mad. And he tried to make my life a living hell. And I truly because uh, he is a nightmare. He's a social a sociopath. He would uh, leave a gun on his desk and call you down to talk about shit. And all of our liquor, all of our liquor was fake. It was all mob. Mo- it was all mob money and mob liquor, which is like live your life. I don't care. I'm just here to pour drinks, not talk about what happens before. But it was a mess. And the guy was a nightmare. And he truly hated gay people. And the only reason he had a gay bar is because he thought he'd make more money. Yeah. And he was right. And he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see that, man. They do. They, shit. It's wild in New York, too. Just, I, I find I have the most intelligent conversations with the gay community yeah. in New York. We're the best. And then it's just, there's the dual income thing, which I don't think is as prevalent in New York because not a lot of people have kids yeah. in general, but it's still kind of a badass. Yeah. Like, we've got it like that we're educated yeah. we're smart we're fucking definitely more grounded and the it's just body yaddy yaddies yeah but the, again, body, the body situation in the gay community is nailing it yeah fucking <laughs> A man I'm trying to take pages out of it's their book it's one of the best bodies you'll ever see which is terrible to be a fat boy in the gay community <laughs> <laughs> you are not a fat boy don't you Com- compared to picture. some of these little boys running around with their, all their abs is yeah I'm job of the hut <laughs> <laughs> All their abs. The one time I did go into a boxer's was with my old manager. We went, he's like, I don't think you're going to want to go where I'm going next. I was like, where the fuck are you going? Mm. Now I definitely want to go. He's like, ah, it's a place called Boxers. I'm like, okay, cool. It's a little 90s, right? Like the whole like shirtless in their boxer shorts. Like, come on. It's a little little on the nose. It's a little on the nose for us. It it was a dozen little Latin kids with no shirt on doing pull-ups behind the bar. And I'm like, that's kind of fun. Live your life. Go for it. This is, I mean, if this is what you think, this is what a straight guy thinks gay guys want. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly Like, obviously straight guys who are super uninterested in being there or talking to you in underwear, porgas, drinks in tiny plastic cups. Have all the seats. Just have to fuck all the way up. (laughs) Craziness. Is now... Is the drug culture as wild as I've heard in gay bars? Um, I think it's like anywhere else. Is it? It's no different. Uh, yeah, I mean, we always sort of knew who the people were. There were always a couple of hustlers. There were always a couple of drug dealers. But they, were, they, they weren't like sinister characters. We, they're people that everyone just knew, this guy always has this. Or that like this guy is an escort. Yeah. Uh, but like they, they were the most respectful ones because they understood that I'm just trying to do my job. I'm trying to bartend. As long as you're not, uh, you know, upsetting my job or my night or making my job harder, is you can do whatever you want outside. Yeah, and I don't think people understand that really. <clears throat> it happened at Uptown, uh, with the bar that I currently work in. What it was before it became what it is now, the Two Door Tavern. When it was Uptown, some of the drug dealers were some of my closest friends, yeah. and they're so respectful. And yeah. they are people just trying to make money, and they're doing their thing. And a lot of times, they just hung out to have my back. Yeah. I mean, we, have, we have a couple of guys who come through the bar that are sort of the bouncers protect, the owner knows and protects. Everyone mm-hmm. sort of knows who these guys are. That everyone buys illegal cigarettes from and drugs and edibles and weed and pens and whatever. I mean, 
I'd say it's b- b- my bar currently has more riffraff than the gay clubs ever did. Yeah, I believe that because I've been down in that neighborhood and yeah. I've been to your bar. It's a couple the West times. Village. You walk around the West Village and five guys from on one block will ask you, "Weed coke? You want, we got weed? We got weed? We got weed? We got coke? Yeah. We got weed? We got coke?" It's like, man, cool. <laughs> it, 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 it's kind of a mini. I don't want to say a mini Times Square, but it's there's more tourists yeah. down there than you'd ever expect there to be. Well, I think with NYU right there, you get a lot of those sort of like grad school, business school, undergrad kids from mm-hmm. all over the world who come and live right there and. And the theater and the comedy yeah. down there is oh, yeah. a, a lot more than you'd expect. Yeah. It. Like Billy Crudup has a one-man show yeah. there, right? Which is fucking amazing. Yeah. Harry Clark, if you haven't seen it, it's fucking awesome. It's great. Check it out. It's over at Manetta Lane. But yeah, the comedy's everywhere. Yeah. It's and, great. I mean, the bad news is that there's so much comedy that there's so much bad comedy now just because with all those stages, you're not going to be crushing it across the board. Yeah. <laughs> so I've seen some womp-womp shows. Uh, but I mean... Uh, there's like like with the comedy cellar and the comedy cellar now has three stages down in the village. That's it's crushing it. Do you work in the comedy? Have you worked in yeah. the comedy cellar? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the owner owns uh, that's that's our sister place. So they do comedy shows at our bar now. Okay. So we'll sort of get to peep shows for free from behind the bar. <laughs> okay. I think I saw an Opie show there, and I think yeah. I went upstairs and didn't realize that they were kind of partnered up. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool space. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and they do a great job. I mean, they really have it down to a science and. They pack them in, get them out, pack them in, get them out. Uh, the food's good, the drinks are good, the comedians nail it. It's great. What, what's up with the dickheads there? You got some serious stories with assholes, somebody that did some dumb shit? I mean, yeah. People people also think they're part of the show. That, that's the any comedy <laughs> club. People uh, have a couple Miller Lights, and they uh, they want to try out their material now. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a science. They shut people down. But I had a customer at the bar, maybe like they'd come from the comedy show, and he was standing at the bar uh, in front of me all night long, getting wasted. Probably like a 50-year-old dude mm-hmm. with his old lady. I don't know if it was a girlfriend or whatever. Uh, sitting there. We were having a nice conversation about the comedy show, everything. They were getting twisted. Uh, and they literally were right in front of my station. So when I, where I was standing, they were directly in front of me, three feet in front of me. Uh, and they started getting amorous. And they were making out and sort of rubbing each other. And I said, hey, guys, you've had the experience. She said, guys, I'm right here. I'm literally two feet away from you. I, I, there's there's no barrier. It's I, it's me and you. I'm right in this hookup with you right now. So cool it, like cool it, make it do whatever you want. But understand, I can't move. I'm stuck. I'm stuck right here, staring at you. And this sort of progressed uh, to the point where I making a drink. I look up, and the man, a 50 year old man, legitimately had his entire erect penis out, and the woman was le- like in plain view, and the woman, a 50 year old woman, was giving him a handy. Uh, like literally two feet from where I was there, from where I was making a vodka soda, like where there was food and drinks two feet away, and I that it, it was the most shocking thing I've ever seen behind the bar, because truly it was in plain view. It wasn't like under a jacket or under the bar. It was right there. I could draw you a picture of his penis with a pen and pencil right now. It was that etched in my brain. Uh, we had to six them, but yeah, it, it, for days I was like, I, if I thought about it, I'd get so like shaky because it's like, how disrespectful are you going to be? Totally. To really whip, pull your wiener out. And think that's okay? People are crazy. I got to start at the beginning, too. I just, it, it's funny, just self awareness wise. You say erect penis out, and like I'm turning my head to giggle. I'm such a fucking teenage boy still with that. It was it's jarring. It's just like someone has, even a 50 year old erect penis yeah. is funny. Yeah. That's funny. I mean, I was the right person to see it, but there were like uh, younger bartenders, <laughs> female bartenders there who was like, that's shocking exactly no like i was the perfect person to see it because i've seen thousands of erect penises in my life yeah millions maybe who and, knows and even as a straight 
guy, it's kind of like, like, I don't feel anything but disrespected. Whereas you you're imagine right. imagine? If you're a girl and you're looking at that, the violation, now you, it becomes disrespectful. You know violation. a bartender is two feet from you. Who is, there's nothing obscuring, there's nothing between you, there's no wall, there's no like anything. And you pull your whole wiener out and you think it's cool for a lady to give you a handy two feet from another human being who's at his job? So that's, that's insane to me. This is question. It's not an integrity thing. It's just because I don't know what I would do, but I'm curious. That same thing happens, but as he notices, you notice his erect penis out. If he just took $200 bills and slid them towards you on the bar and winked, would you turn around? Tim Dunn. Um, I would have absolutely taken the money, but uh, I would have kicked him out. <laughs> I like it. Okay, I mean, cool. it's, it's, I might not be offended by that, but it's not appropriate, man. It's so disrespectful. You know what? That's the... like Get a booth. Put a jacket over it. Go to the bathroom. Do what the rest of us do. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we want to pull out our erect penises and bars. <laughs> have the fucking common decency to put a coat over yeah, it. Yeah, something. Yeah. No, I, we've all been there, but it's usually on a fun wild bus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just right on the money disrespect. I think that's the biggest thing for me. And it's also precedent. Yeah. Where it's kind of like, I think I'm with you. I think I'd take the money and still kick them out. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where you can pay me for certain things and you can be dumb enough to just put money on the bar and think I'm going to do something. Yeah. And if I didn't tell you I'm going to do it, I'm not going to. But at the end of the day, too, if I let you jerk, get jerked off at the bar today. Yeah then it's okay for you to come back and do it tomorrow. But we also have at our bar, we have <clears throat> like signs posted with like dress code and sort of code of conduct stuff by the door. Just so, And it says, you know, like no athletic gear, no baseball hats, no hike, or no work boots, mm-hmm. uh, and no sweatpants. And we don't really enforce it unless someone's a problem. Mm-hmm. And then like if someone comes in as a problem and they happen to have any of those things on, that'll be our way to get people out. Uh, it says like no un- no men unaccompanied by women, which is like an insane sign to have. Really? Uh, I, I just think I mean it, it's part of nightlife that if a bar is fully packed of dudes, and there's no women. Women will not come in. Uh, the flip side, if the ratio, if there's more women in a bar, more men will come in. But if a bar is packed with dudes, ladies will come in. Yeah. Well, that's been my argument. I think with ownership, and we don't we don't that. enforce it except if it's packed and it's a bunch of dudes trying to get in together. It's like, but yeah. the theory remains. As accurate. Yeah. I think th- there's yeah. been a lot of just contention over the years at the bar I'm at with, we need a woman there on weekends. We need girls there on weekends. We need, yeah. it's like, we're not that place. Yeah. And if you let the guys bring women customers in, other guys will think of this as the place that there are women customers. Yeah. And we've got the girls' backs too. So if the guys get creepy, like everybody wins. Yeah. And if you're a sports bar, you need women behind the bar. Yeah. You can't really do much business with men behind the bar or too many of them at a sports bar. So just knowing your clientele is is important too, I think. To getting that peace sign from Court, cousin Court over here, throwing them up. Cousin Dunn. There's the love. The Dunn takeover. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's take an early break because I want to get back into it. I got some cool stuff. Uh, there's a story in particular I remember you got. I want to pull out of you. Oh God. And we'll run from there. <laughs> so we'll be back after these words. We have to show some love, even though we have already, more and more for the Comic Strip Live, 1568 2nd Avenue. This place is historic, no joke, it's one of New York's gems. I don't know why the hell you're going to see comedy in Midtown and Times Square. Run for your lives and get to a place with even more history and a lot less traffic. Come to the Upper East Side. It might not be too busy up here, but the Comic Strip always sells out, so call in advance. 
Jerry Seinfeld started here, guys. Do I need to say anything else? Probably not, but I will. He also finished here. He's not done, but recently he did his Netflix special right behind where I'm sitting. Come laugh, come cry, come enjoy the Comic Strip Live. We are back. Real Tales from the Bar Side with Tim Dunn. Court Dunn, producer man, extraordinaire, pointing out during the break that I never fucking talk about how I know a lot of the people that we interview. <laughs> so I'm going to let everybody here know I can't talk about it. I signed a stack of NDAs bigger than any novel. It was bigger than the Stephen King's It It's paperback. true. It was intense. It was, yeah, it's just like I, I can't talk we about it. We met on a gig. We, we, can, met say, we say that even. Gig. We met on a job. Yes. A performance-related job? A non-sexual okay? performance-related yeah. yeah. job. Let's be specific. I mean, my sexual performance was a big part of my character. But, it was, uh, but unlike the 50-year-old man at your bar, you kept it in your pants. Um, so, yeah, we can't talk about it, but we had a good time. Yeah, we worked the job together, yeah. and it was fun. We connected well enough that we're sitting across from each other right now. And they keep so. sending us email reminders to not talk about it. Not talk the about NDA it. Is still holds, so we probably shouldn't even talk about this. But. And that's it. We'll say no more, so we're not sued for nothing. So... You, when we met, had a story that I found to be kind of wild uh, at the flat, fat back, fat, fat, flat, fat black flat, pussycat, fat black pussycat, <laughs> where somebody, I don't want to spoil the fucking end. How do I do this? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I, I have a couple, I mean, I think most bar- bartenders have a couple buttons. Like I'm, a, the good news is like disposition wise, I am always sort of on the sunny side. Like I was born like a happy, smiley person. That's mm-hmm. who I am, but for better, or for worse. Uh, a couple buttons I have behind the bar. I don't like to be touched. Uh, when customers like touch me, I don't like people to snap or like uh, clap at me or whistle or like uh, interrupt me, like yell my name. I, hate, I give people a fake name when I bartend because I hate when people yell my real name. I think it's just disrespectful. Like I, I'm literally here to do this. What, what am I, I'm only behind this bar to make you drinks and I'm goddamn doing it. Mm-hmm. If I'm not to you yet, I'm probably helping someone else and I promise I'll get to you. It's literally the only reason I'm here. But there was a night uh, where... A guy came in towards maybe three and three thirty, three forty-five. Uh, ordered garbage drinks, uh, like drinks that indicate that you are a truly a garbage person who will certainly not tip me. Uh, <laughs> I made one. Uh, his girlfriend took a sip and yelled that it was watered down and it tasted just like it was only juice and this whole the whole whatever. Uh, and I took the drink back from her. I, I snatched it out of her hand and said, "You know what, guys? I'm not doing this tonight. It's too late. It's too late in the night to do this. We're not playing this game." We're not going to fight about this. So you guys can just go somewhere else. Have a good night. And the guy got all upset and said, you snatched it out of her hand. That's her drink. I'm like, you didn't pay. Bye. I, they, I sort of just walked away and they left. Uh, maybe five minutes later, I'm back uh, at my register with my back to the bar because I'm looking at the register. And I feel a hand grab around my neck. And this guy had reached, come back in the bar, furious that I had cut him off and kicked him out. And pulled me backwards across the bar. So I was like doing a back bend across the bar. Jesus. And I truly thought at that moment, this is how I die. This is, he is going to slit my throat across this bar. And I'm going to die behind this bar. Uh, it was terrifying. And luckily we have a million bouncers who jumped on this guy. And uh, But it was terrifying. Don't touch me behind the bar. That guy came in specifically to reach across the bar and grab me by the neck. You were the target. For making him a shitty Hennessy and Red Bull. Like, come on. We have bigger fish to fry. <laughs> it's still, I mean, I've heard it, but hearing it again. It's scary, man. It's my ultimate fucking fear. Yeah. Because I not only don't have a million bouncers, I have none. Yeah. And I have no backup, no anything. If the dishwasher is done, I am alone. Yeah. And there are those people that I snatch drinks out of yeah. their hand, put the money back in the bar, and I'm like, listen, if that's how you're going to behave, 
Second Avenue is a block away. Go have fun, guys. Get the fuck out. See, you and I are both mouthy. That's our problem, I think, is that, like, that I can't resist sometimes. <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm, the older I've gotten, the longer I've bartended, the more I don't, take, like, I don't take the bait anymore. But I'm mouthy. And if someone says something, I have a hard time letting a dumbass piece of shit get the last word. That's a, just a personal thing. So if someone's going to mouth off, I'm going to mouth off worse. And yeah, uh, I mean, no, I won't. If anyone's listening that I work for, <laughs> I'm always respectful. I don't fight with customers uh, ever. No, but I'm, yeah, it's, I, I've had to check myself a couple times. I bartend a couple of other places, uh, the one in Queens in Astoria, and it's, you're by there yourself. The bar is one room. There's no back room. There's no basement. You walk in and that's it. Mm-hmm. So someone comes in, you're in that room, you're stuck. And if someone, like a crazy customer wants to talk your ear off, you have no nothing to do. You just have to let them just sit there and talk to you. Yeah. That's that what the back, the back bar in my place is like that, that has private parties. And it's, uh, it's just lonely yeah. because when you have a private party, everybody's there to see each other. Yeah. Nobody's trying to talk to you. So as much as I bitch about people fucking talking my ear yeah. off, I kind of love it. It makes sense. And if I don't have it, least, yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh, Jesus, I'm just alone <laughs> back here standing with no cell service waiting for a 50-year-old cock to appear so I can kick somebody <laughs> out. You know, like it's just That's the name nothing. for on my one-man show, waiting for a 50-year-old cock to appear. It's showing at the Manetta Lane uh, Theater. <laughs> right after Harry Clark's. Rap, yeah, that's gonna be great. I mean, that's that's not inaccurate, truthfully. That's not inaccurate <laughs> about my life, but not when I'm at work. I'll buy a ticket. <laughs> Shit, court, you in? He shrugged. He's he'll be there. Don't worry yeah. about it. So, what else has gone on at Fat Black Pussycat? Like, what goes on? Do you have a happy hour crowd? We, yeah, we have a killer happy hour. Uh, it used to be much. It used to be happy hour from four to ten every single day, and it was wow. half of everything at the bar. And we had a garbage crowd because of it. They just came in for the for cheap shit, and they wouldn't. They'd spend every last dime they had, and they would leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wouldn't tip, of course. Uh, but we changed. I mean, it's it's a great spot. It's been around for a million years. It uh, there's like history. It was uh, a different bar before it was Fat Black, and then before that, it was a place called Folk City Cafe, which was like a coffee shop that Joni Mitchell and Donna Summers and all these famous singer songwriters used to. Bob Dylan would write songs at and hang out at. So like, there's history in them. Their walls. Yeah. Uh, that's a good spot. I mean, I met tons of famous people coming through and stuff. That'd have been cool. Yeah, it is. It's a really cool area. I do like it. It's certainly not like it doesn't have that Times Square get me out of here. Yeah. It's just it's it attracts tourism. It's it's oddly. it's a churn and burn bar on the weekends. I mean, during the week you have time to sit and talk to people, and during happy hour you can sit and talk. But the nights that I work are mainly just churn and burn. You're you're throwing drinks at people. Yeah, and tourist wise, we don't get anybody like that in the Upper East, so I can't give a fake name. I mean, yeah. I could, but it's just it, it would be found out instantly. Yeah. And unless it's just part of some kind of a goofy ass flirtation, it's just the not other weird, it. funny thing that it's sort of happening now is that because I'm a comedian mm-hmm. and where we do stand up comedy at our bar. And so I've met people professionally that I've performed with that will then come into the bar to perform at and see me bartending. And there's that weird life crossover where they're like, what are you doing behind the bar? Aren't, are you doing the show? It's like, no, man, I'm bartending right now. Shit. See, that's fucking strange to me because I <laughs> yeah. feel like this is the one place, maybe L.A. too, but definitely New York where that shouldn't exist. Yeah. It's just kind of like, did you know what the fuck I'm yeah. doing here? Yeah. I mean, but it's, yeah, I guess people know you in certain light. They don't realize. Uh, like, I didn't tell... The owner of our bar thought I was a comedian for years. Like, it was just easier if you thought if they thought I was just the dumbass bartender who had, who had nothing else happening for himself. This is all I'm good at. This is all I can do. It's just cleaner <laughs> that way. And then they found out like, let us help you. It was like, no man, this is not that. This is not that for me. I'm not looking for that. But on the other side of things, as a performer, 
what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you when you weren't bartending, but you were actually performing with some drunk idiot that's there as a spectator? I sort of love that shit. Like, uh, I'm also, as a human being, I love confrontation. Like, a lot of people shy away and will, like, whatever. I love. I run towards fights. I see fights happening. I run towards them. Just, I mean, I won't get in them or like, whatever, but uh, with, with stand-up stuff, it's really funny because people do feel like they can talk to you because uh, my persona in maybe on stage and in life is I, I'm casual with people so I talk to people in the audience I will ask them questions and stuff and people, people try to get smart but that's the most fun part when you can sort of because ultimately you're going to win because you have the microphone and the power to kick someone out of the audience sure yeah yeah <laughs> so you can go after someone as hard as you want and then say get him the fuck out and the, the house manager will take him out and it's the best of all both worlds it's a uh, you win 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 and then the audience gets to see you eviscerate someone <laughs> yeah it is kind of enjoyable there's some psycho that uh, roams the subways with a headset on with a okay. projecting like amplified box on his belt uh. and he thought he had that power on the train and i was like dude get the fuck out of my yeah. face with your bullshit <laughs> and i just started clapping and cheering him on and saying congrats on a life well lived you're a true performer wash your pants you did it you know like, yeah exactly and with your pocket rocker the clap I think yeah. the clap helps when you're on a subway car and you're attacked by it but when you're at a club and somebody has a microphone with a legitimate sound system yeah. that isn't attached to your belt like you and do. also all I do is sit around trying to think of ways to shut people down so I promise this is not <laughs> this is not off the cuff I am a petty bastard I will sit around in my apartment and think of things to say to people who are rude uh, and I'll have a whole arsenal of shit ready to go. <laughs> and most of our listeners, if you can't identify with that, you're in denial. <laughs> you're a liar. We like, all do it. The, the notes f- uh, folder of my phone is just insults that are ready for people. <laughs> They're jokes and insults that are just ready to go. They're lined up. I dare anyone to say any of the triggers for any of these insult comebacks. Uh, is there one that sticks out that got away that you're like, I wish I fucking had that back? No, I mean, I, I really, I truly try to not like let people get that like i people get much more upset if you keep smiling like all right cool man cool you're yeah. so cool yeah so that's that's sort of my i like i love i'll be mean i love being mean but, but i you kill them with positivity yeah. and kind of the, cru- the cruelty like, through eviscerate them too. that way like you chose to come here you chose to come out of your house and pay money to see me and that's how you're going to behave now like get the fuck out of it. i get i get super like like I grew up on the fucking streets of Dorchester and I, I didn't, it's so funny. It's like, I don't know where this guy comes from, man, but he gets angry and he's just like, my incredible Hulk is this fucking streets of Boston. Yeah. I grew up in a suburb on the beach. Yeah. It's not who I am. I but... grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, like the Republican white nouveau riche, uh, <laughs> Range Rover suburbs. And I said, when I was brought to the hip hop clubs, I was the only white person in the entire building usually, which is totally fine. It's, it was great. The, it was a really fun club, but, uh, once the man, one of the bartenders said, hey, the manager needs your bank. And I said out loud, truly earnestly, Joe B. Axon for my bank all night long. Okay, I just said Joe B. Axon for my bank. Uh, I need to take a deep breath <laughs> and get a grip because that is not how I speak. That's like, I'm absorbing it from the other But I can't say that. There's not a, there's not a situation where I'm allowed to say that. You know what? I've never. I've Joby accent for my bank. I've, I've I've talked a lot of ways in my life, and I am a product of my environment a bit at times, and I can absorb things. I've never said accent. The first, just now, that's the first it, it time. It was truly my first, it. also. Uh. But it, you tried it on; it didn't fit. I didn't even mean to. It just came spilling out <laughs> back on the rack. Yeah, We're not buying. I, I immediately said I shouldn't ever say that again. <laughs> I should absolutely know better than that. Oh man. Yeah, that's not for me either. I don't know. But sometimes shit flies. Yeah. And it, you know what? Those personas and those things, those those rage monsters can help. 
in a situation where it's kind of like I will out crazy you before oh, you yeah. have an opportunity. Oh yeah. Oh, one on one is if someone gets loud with you, get louder. Like you have to, you have to out loud and out crazy and out, uh, like power them when someone gets crazy at the bar. Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell people all the time. I don't give a fuck if you want to kill each other on the street. Just you can't do it in these in these balls. I had a fun one the other night. I forgot about this. It's the first fight I completely removed myself from. Didn't get involved. Mm-hmm. Sat there laughing and went, "Ooh, that looked like it hurt." I just, it was literally in front of me. Like again, we're just we keep going back to the fifty year old cock, but it was just that <laughs> close. It broke out. Yeah, four hour open bar. They'd bought the entire oh, place. God. Doctors, they can't fucking drink. Come on. And somebody started punching somebody's cousin. And it got wild, and I was like, I don't know you guys. Yeah. If if the owner wanted to buy or, or hire a bouncer for the night, knowing yeah. that the place was bought out for a four-hour open bar, he could have done that. But I just had an audition this week for a recurring role on something that I'm really not willing face. to jeopardize. I need my face. For you two fucking idiots. This moneymaker, right? I need this moneymaker to stay intact. It was just like, oh, this is growth, I think. I think this is what growth feels like. I'm sitting here watching this. Just getting spectator. older and more and more tired. That's what, it's, that's what it is. I getting more worn down. It kind of is that, for sure. I went to shut the lights off in the men's room later, and the sink was just literally filled with blood. <laughs> It filled. Like, guy's nose was broken. I'm like, well, the good news is you're surrounded by people who should now be trained to reset it. Yeah. It's this kind of a match party for doctors and where they're going to be placed. Can you imagine going out, getting drunk to the point where you're spitting blood into a sink at a bar? No. Grow up. Are you insane? Yeah, it's nuts. Who are these people? And in the fact that it happens anywhere but Murray Hill is wild to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> It's ready-made at the Joshua Tree Mercury Bar. It's there if you want it. Tonic. Go nuts. Yeah. But outside of those neighborhoods where it's, it's just insane. bridge and title bar fights, I like, don't I've, understand. I've, I think bartenders and people who work in nightlife go the other way. Where now, like, going out is problematic for me just because I'll get comp by bartenders who you know I'm a bartender. And I tip so much more than I ever intended on spending just because the bartender is being nice to me. And I have this guilt complex about not being tipped by people. So last night, my thing at a bar tab, it was $16 that the bartender bought me everything. I think I tipped him like sixty bucks, and I left I'm like, why? Did... I wouldn't. Damn. I didn't even drink that much. I didn't drink seventy six dollars worth of booze. Like, ugh. so perfect world. This is a good question. Perfect world. Somebody orders five beers. You talk to them. They're cool as shit. It's a forty dollar tab. They're eight dollar beers. You buy them two. Okay, so it's now it's a thirty dollar tab. It's on the receipt. It shows. What do you hope for, tip wise? Like, what's kind of like? All right, that was a good dude. I'm glad I bought him two beers. Um, I fucked that math up, by the way. No, yeah, you know I, 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 yeah. I, I always think you should tip the amount of the drinks that are comped. Okay, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's what I do. So if if I it's a right. if it's a forty dollar check and they comp ten bucks off, so you'll tip ten bucks. Yeah. So whatever whatever they comp to you, so they're hoping to make that back. I mean that that it's it's a it's not they're not just giving away free things out of the goodness of their heart. They they're making they're hoping that'll bring the customer back, and also the bartender's hoping that'll get, get that money. And it's fair. I yeah. think that's right. I think that's right. And happy hour, folks, guys. When you when you're drinking four dollar beer, yeah. and it's typically seven or eight, like we're not asking for the moon and the stars, yeah. but maybe throw an extra dollar. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. It's happy hour. Yeah. We're dealing with all kinds of dickheads. That are here for cheap shit. I don't understand. I also think everyone at this point in their life knows how to tip. They know how to do the math. This is not new. I this know. is not some like hard new math shit. This is basic arithmetic. And if you don't know the fundamentals of how to tip, you need to learn. Like yeah. here's here, here's easy rule: buck or two a drink. If you're ordering, if you have a tab, it's twenty percent. That's it. Twenty percent your tab. I don't care if you had five beers. You're tipping twenty percent on that. And that's that. That's we're, we're here to educate Grow people. Up. We're here to educate. <laughs> if you've learned nothing from this podcast, 
It's like I can draw a penis with a pen and pencil right now. That is once you've seen it, you can draw a real man's actual penis. I could draw with alarming accuracy for you right now. (laughs) And own your shit. Yeah. And grow up. Grow up. And tip well. And I truly don't mind when people say shit like, "What what do you what what do you make good?" or like, "What's good here?" I don't know what to drink. It's like I truly will tell people to say, "I don't know what to drink. What should I get?" Or what do you recommend? I'll always say to people, "I recommend you take a minute and figure out three or four drinks you like as an adult that you can have at any bar." And then you just rotate those based on your mood. That's what I recommend. Yeah. But how about a sex on the beach? Like, <laughs> how about a gin and tonic? That's because the thing too. Figure it out. It, it is. It's I'm not a magician. Things. I'm a fucking bartender, man. I'm not a psychic. I'm not your best friend. I'm a bartender. Tell me what you want. This is a transaction. You tell me what you want. I make it for you. You <laughs> give me money, and we go on our, about our lives. And that's how that works. Yeah. I'll suggest something based on what you might be feeling like yeah. for the night. But if you, as a grown adult, don't know what you drink, and you're not coming in saying, listen, I'm a Mormon, this is my first yeah. drink, I really don't know what sure. I'm doing, then I'll hold your hand, we can walk down the street together, and, and I'll show you all these wonderful beers, If you say you don't wines. know what you want, and you ask for a recommendation, I make it, you say, let's go for it, you may not give that back either. That's yours. You have to yeah. finish that drink. Yeah. I will not replace that. No. no. Hell no. Absolutely not. if not. you're giving me creative license. Yeah. And if I tell you I want to make you, no. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Go to, I'm going to send everyone to your bar to harass you from now on. Uh, Everyone who harasses me, get customers. out. Yeah, yeah. Get out. Go bother Fuck this guy. Go ask for Tim. <laughs> Shit, no, what's your code name? I can't even tell Peter. Ask for, Peter. Peter's my bartending Peter. name. Pat Black Pussycat. Peter. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know what? This has been a really good sit down with yeah. an angry straight white guy, an <laughs> angry gay white guy. And we have some really Who cannot talk about how we met. We cannot. We, we may know. not talk about how I'm we met. I'm not even willing to disclose that we have met <laughs> because it's that serious. All right, my signatures on a stack of papers. We're wearing skin-tight clothing. Them. I'll give that away. That that that. Yo, we're super yeah, fucked it's, now. it's NDA. That we can't NDA release this. Bad. Thanks, yeah. you've you've yeah. squashed the entire podcast. Yeah. Listeners, I love you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> As always, real tales from the bar side. This is a serious episode, and we'll be back with more in two weeks. Tons of love, Tim. Thank you. You're you want to plug something, man? You got a ton going on. Uh, sh- I, I run a show at UCB, uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade in the East Village called Queerball. It's the uh, second Monday of every month. Uh, details on my website, timothydunncomedy.com. Timothy Dunn, D-U-N-N, comedy.com. That's it. Queerball. That's it. Get it, get it. Get it, get it. Tons of love, man. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Take care, guys. Happy Easter. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Real Tales from the Bar Side. Be sure to tip your bartenders and tip us by subscribing, liking, leaving us a review. That stuff helps like hell, and we really appreciate it. So thank you again. Hope you enjoyed yourself, and we'll catch you next week.